Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Sask Egg Today is brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner. Sask Egg Today with Doug Faulkner. Good afternoon and welcome to Saskag Today. Coming up on today's program, the need for wetland conservation policy in Saskatchewan was a key topic covered in question period yesterday. We'll hear from the NDP critic for Environment Saskwater and the Water Security Agency, Erica Ritchie, as well as Saskatchewan Agriculture Minister and Minister Responsible for the Water Security Agency, David Merritt. The East Central Research Foundation near Yorkton and Suncrest College have released the results of another study. It covers the effects of land ruling in barley grain and green feed on yields. Research coordinator Mike Hall will walk us through that. And auto steer is a form of precision agriculture most farmers use, but the toolbox is growing rapidly due to new technology. We'll hear from Don Campbell, who is a field-smart agronomist at Western Sales in Rosetown. He'll tell us what's on the horizon. All of those stories and much more coming up on today's edition of Saskag Today. But first, it's time for the Agriculture Outlook with Precision Weather. And that's a presentation of Milligan Bio. Milligan Bio now offers biomeal for your livestock, giving your animals more protein, more energy, and more of what they need. It's also brought to you by Sean Prahitka, your Remax Blue Chip Ag Division Special. Welcome back to Saskag Today. The need for wetland conservation policy in Saskatchewan was a key topic covered in question period yesterday. The NDP critic for Environment, Saskwater, and the Water Security Agency, Erica Ritchie, says Saskatchewan is the only province without such a policy. More than a dozen people are here today calling on this government to finally develop a strategy to protect wetlands. More than 2,300 people wrote letters to the Premier asking for the same and they still haven't got a response. Will the Minister for the Water Security Agency meet with the people who have come here today and will he commit to a comprehensive wetland policy? The dozen people referenced were members of the Saskatchewan Alliance for Water Sustainability, or SAWS, who were at the legislature. In response to Ritchie's question, Agriculture Minister and Minister Responsible for the Water Security Agency, David Merritt, says they're making a made-in-Saskatchewan water management strategy. That obviously is key to the future as we build and protect our world-class sustainable agriculture sector, Mr. Speaker. The stewardship policy will include a suite of policy tools such as wetland retention, use, using drainy, uh, drained water for irrigation, and cropland beneficial management practices, Mr. Speaker. Mr. Speaker, this has been a very, very engaging process, Mr. Speaker. We have met 
with over 70 different organizations and stakeholders across the province, Mr. Speaker. We will continue to do that as well, Mr. Speaker. I have lots of questions, I have lots of answers here, Mr. Speaker. I can give a list of what everybody we've been engaged with, Mr. Speaker. I can tell you the consultation process continues. Ritchie then noted the consultation process for the stewardship policy was not that comprehensive what, from what she has heard from residents. The consultation has not been intensive. I've heard from many stakeholders who have said just as much. We're losing tens of thousands of acres of wetlands every single year. Conserving our wetlands is important for everyone in this province. It's important for the environment, yes, but it's so much more. It's critical to our economy. It's important for hunters and outfitters, for drinking water for First Nation and Métis rights, for recreation and cabin owners. There's a wide swath of people who are impacted by the loss of wetlands and this government is failing all of them. Merritt replied by reading a page of groups that have already been consulted with. The member opposite asked who we consulted with, Mr. Speaker. I'm going to give the list and read it into record today, and I don't care if it takes the whole question period, Mr. Speaker, I will give it. The Saskatchewan Winter Cereals Development Commission, the Saskatchewan Chamber of Commerce Water Council, the Provincial Association of Resort Communities of Saskatchewan, the Saskatchewan Provincial Parks Owners Association, the Prairie Water Global Institute for Water Security, University of Saskatchewan, Mr. Speaker, Prairie Adaptation Research Collaborative, University of Regina, the Kohansi-Shuaman Graduate School of Public Policy, the Saskatchewan Mustard Development Commission, Saskatchewan Forage Council, Saskatchewan Sea Growers. That's page one, Mr. Speaker. Ritchie responded by claiming many people have been blocked from participating in consultations and criticized the process for being too narrowly focused. Every single person in this province needs access to clean water, and this tired and out-of-touch government isn't listening. The feedback from people and experts needs to be incorporated into the plan, and the costs of mismanaging our water resource, like the hit to our producers this year, need to be taken into account. Wetlands help to mitigate and manage the impacts of drought. Will the minister actually listen to these people, and will he ensure the costs of mismanaging our water resources are fully taken into consideration? Minister Merritt then read another page of groups consulted, which included several First Nations, Tribal Councils, the Federation of Sovereign Indigenous Nations, and the Métis Nation of Saskatchewan. The NDP critic then asked what the minister would do regarding enforcement of illegal drainage. When one landowner illegally drains onto another landowner's property, it's almost impossible to get them to stop. There's no enforcement and no accountability for landowners who are doing their part and are following the rules. When will the minister, it has to stop, when will the minister for the Water Security Agency stand up for people who are following the rules but are paying the price for this government's failures to act on illegal drainage? But Merritt says they want to get the Ag Water Stewardship Policy right the first time. As of a month ago, Mr. Speaker, there was a meeting in Yorkton where there was representatives from the SCDA, APAS, SARM, SAW was there, FSA was there, 
Saskatchewan canola growers, Saskatchewan wheat growers were there, and Saskatchewan wheat was there, Mr. Speaker. Many other recommendations are coming forward. That is why the consultation process is going forward and continuing, Mr. Speaker. We want to make sure we get this right for the province of Saskatchewan. A strategy that was never done under the members opposite when they were in government, Mr. Right. Speaker. We're going to get this one right. And according to Water Security Agency spokesperson Patrick Boyle, the consultation process for the Ag Water Stewardship Policy has just wrapped up and will begin to sift through the feedback. It's time now for the Ag Review portion of our program, and that's a presentation of New Era Ag Technologies in Swan River. GX94 Ag Review. A conservative motion demanding the unelected Senate immediately pass a bill exempting more farm fuels from carbon pricing has failed, with the Bloc Québécois saying it could not support what it called a Tory intimidation campaign. It would not have been binding on the Senate, but would have put some political pressure on senators, whom the conservatives accuse of holding up the bill against the will of what the Tories stress are elected members of Parliament. Bill C-234, introduced last year by Conservative MP Ben Lobb, passed the House of Commons in March with all but Liberal support. It would exempt the natural gas and propane that farmers use to heat buildings and dry grain from the carbon price for at least eight years. Winnipeg-based trader Ken Ball from PI Financial is cautiously optimistic that canola prices can rebound in the short term. The January canola contract closed at $702.30 per metric ton yesterday, a weekly loss of $7.40. However, Ball says canola is trying to recover. He says it's going to hinge exclusively on how well the soy oil will do. While Ball says a slower export pace than last year will put some pressure on canola prices, he cautiously thinks there could be some strength in both canola and soy oil in the short term. He says weather is going to come into play a lot because the soybean market has been well supported by soy meal prices. He thinks canola could rebound 20 30 even $40 a metric ton if soy oil could maintain its strength. It's rare that U.S. corn supplies build in a marketing year while soybean supplies slip, but that is exactly what is happening in 2023-24, keeping soybean prices relatively elevated versus corn. U.S. corn and soybeans experience the same summer weather each year, which is why supplies of both tend to move in the same direction. Conditions were imperfect this summer, and yields have disappointed versus prior expectations, but a decade high in corn acres helped pull off the record crop. The U.S. Department of Agriculture pegs total U.S. corn supplies in 2023-24 to rise 10% on the year, while soybean inventory is seen shrinking 3%. The most recent similar instance is 2007-08, when U.S. farmers were incentivized to plant more corn based on new renewable fuel mandates related to corn-based ethanol. U.S. Agriculture Secretary Tom Vilsack says the Biden administration is looking for creative ways to sell more U.S. dairy products in Canada after a trade dispute panel ruled in favor of Canadian restrictions on dairy import quotas. Vilsack told Reuters that the U.S. Department of Agriculture and the U.S. Trade Representative's Office 
were weighing next steps in the long-running dispute over Canada's largely closed dairy market, but declined to say whether they would bring new challenges under the U.S.-Mexico-Canada agreement on trade. A three-person panel recently rejected U.S. arguments that Canada was improperly limiting U.S. access to its dairy market by allocating most import quotas to Canadian processors of powdered milk, cheese, ice cream and other dairy products based on a market share approach. One of the prices producers pay for hog traceability will be going up 10%. The Manitoba Pork Council said in a notice to producers yesterday that the Canadian Pork Council will apply a 10% increase to the prices of pig trace ear tags and accessories effective December 15th. As for accessories available from the program, the universal tag applicator will be priced at $30.04, the retractomatic tag applicator $80.99, a replacement tag pin $3.50, and a permanent marker $5.78. Current pricing will be valid for orders placed and paid by December 14th at 11.59 p.m. Eastern Time. The Manitoba Council says the Canadian Pork Council has incurred increased costs for the manufacture and distribution of the ear tags throughout 2023. Reporting to Pig Trace has been mandatory since 2014 for all people and organizations taking part in movement of pigs. The tag price was last raised in 2019. And be sure to listen to the latest SaskAg Today podcast. It's brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. It's time now to head back out once again to Tanya Cherry. In Mooseman today, Mooseman Pharmasave, we are talking about savings. We are talking about all the different things that you can get for everybody on your wish list. Well, yeah. Christmas wish list, your Christmas shopping list. We've got it all here at Mooseman Pharmasave and 25% off throughout the whole store, which makes it really easy to do your shopping all right here. Now, getting a hostess gift, right? You go to the different parties. Everybody's doing fantastic this year and time of year, but you, you want to give a thank you back to them. Well, gifting made easy here at Mooseman Pharmasave. Bring flavor to the holidays. Surprise your host or hostess for the, uh, foodie on your list with a savory selection of artisan meat kits as well as delectable jelly samplers so they have their hickory's farms holiday snack sampler their hickory farms beef lovers collection their ham lovers collection and hickory farms jelly sampler all here and all on sale today so you can stock up on those so that you have the perfect gift for everybody who's hosting the parties and uh, just a nice way of you saying you know a nice little thank you to them it's just one of the many things that you're going to get and get on sale today here at Mooseman Farm. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. It's overcast and minus two degrees in the Yorkton Melville region. I'll have your complete weather details coming up at one o'clock. But first, it's time for the livestock market conditions and they're a presentation of Heartland Livestock in Yorkton. Livestock market conditions. U.S. live cattle futures for December trading at 170.32, down 157. February live cattle trading at 171.17, down 230. 
January feeder cattle trading at 219.22, down 297. March feeder cattle trading at 221.67, down 260. December lean hogs trading at 68.87, down 10. February lean hogs trading at 71.27, up 117. And that's the livestock market conditions. Now it's time for the Heartland Livestock Report from Yorkton. Good afternoon. This is Yorkton Heartland Livestock Market Report for the week of November the 29th. A respectable run this week was 17.50 in the short. A whopping 525 cows and bulls, a total of 22.75 for the day. This cow and bull market selling steady with last week. D1, D2 cows, 120 to 130, sales to 132, 133. D3 cows, 90 to $1.10. This, uh, these old, weak, thinner, blemished cows, this market was lower, anywhere from 30 to 60. Cows are averaging 118 from that good Camsack area, 1,500-pound cows. Cows, they topped out at 135. Good bulls, 135 to 145, sales to 147, 153. Bulls are averaging 138. From that good Priestfall area, 2,100-pound exotic bulls, they topped out at 155.50. A nice job there. On to the pre-sort sale. 420-pound black steers, 447. 500-pound black steers at 419. 575-pound steers at 385. The 650s at 358. 710-pound red black exotic steers at 343. The 780s at 323. And 850-pound steers at 288. Onto the heifers, 350-pound little black heifers, 422. 420-pound heifers at 384. 500-pound black heifers at 359. 575-pound heifers, 334. The 650s at 315. 710-pound red black exotic heifers, 298. And 780-pound heifers at 250. Highlight of the morning, 775-pound red Angus steers. They topped out at 326. And 51 Red, black, exotic heifers, 490 pounds. They topped out at 360. Pay attention, producers. If you are planning to sell this year, I would ask you to consider selling next week. This will be our last pre-sort of the year. We will have a regular sale the following week, but I would not recommend selling at this sale because of low numbers. And our next bread cow sale will be Friday, December the 8th. Three herd dispersals. More details next week. That's it for this week at Heartland Yorkton. I'm Harvey Exner. Have a good day. Welcome back to SaskAg Today. The East Central Research Foundation near Yorkton and Suncrest College have released the results of another study. It covers the effects of land rolling in barley grain and green feed on yields. Research coordinator Mike Hall walks us through it. In 2023, Suncrest College and the East Central Research Foundation led a study to demonstrate the effect of land rolling on barley, grain, and green feed yield. Land rolling can ease harvests of barley by pushing down rocks into the earth and reducing the risk of equipment damage. Land rolling can also result in greater green feed yields as the crop may be cut at a lower level. Some evidence suggests that rolling barley can also increase dry matter yield by increasing stooling. However, rolling should occur at the proper stage to reduce soil issues and damage to the crop. Then rolling can pulverize soil, increasing the risk of erosion or creating crusting issues that interfere with crop emergence. Therefore, it's not recommended to land roll before crop emergence. 
then rolling when the crop is just emerging is not ideal either as this can potentially interfere with emergence by damaging the coleoptile. Ideally, cereals should be rolled at the 2 to 3 leaf stage. Early morning rolling should be avoided as turgid plants are more easily broken and dewy mornings can spread disease. Ideally, plants should be rolled in the heat of the day when the soils are dry to avoid uprooting plants and when wilted plants are less likely to be broken. Crops should not be rolled within a few days before or after herbicide application as this may weaken plants and accentuate crop injury. In general, rolling after the 3 to 4 leaf stage is considered late and should be avoided. In order to demonstrate the importance of properly timing land rolling operations for grain and greenfeed barley, two trials were established near Yorkton by ECRF and Suncrest College and near Scott by the Western Applied Research Corporation. At both locations, two trials were set up, one for barley grain using AAC Synergy and one for greenfeed using CDC Maverick. Both trials evaluated the following rolling timings. Treatment 1 is the unrolled check for comparison. Then treatments were either rolled one to three days post-seed, or at the two to three leaf stage, or at first node stage. For grain plots, they were harvested with a plot combine, and at Yorkton, we used a forage harvester. Here we have the effect of land rolling timing on barley height in centimeters. The barley harvested for grain was AAC Synergy, whereas the barley harvested for green feed was CDC Maverick. Early rolling either 1 to 3 days post seed or at the 2 to 3 leaf stage did not affect plant height for the grain or the forage barley at either location. While statistically significant differences were not detected at Yorkton, rolling at the first node stage reduced crop height by about 2 centimeters for the Synergy and about 4 centimeters for the Maverick. At Scott, late rolling at the first node stage significantly reduced crop height by 6 centimeters for Synergy and 5 centimeters for Maverick. Lodging did not occur for any treatment at either location as both locations were dry in 2023. Here we have the effect of land rolling timing on barley yield. The yield of Synergy harvested for grain is expressed in bushels per acre and the yield of Maverick harvested for green feed is expressed in dry weight in terms of kilograms per hectare. Grain yield really wasn't significantly affected by rolling at either Yorkton or Scott, although at Scott, rolling at the first node stage numerically decreased yield by 8 bushels per acre, which is a fair bit. For green feed yields of Maverick, statistical differences between treatments were detected. Much to my surprise, rolling at the 2 to 3 leaf stage and later significantly reduced green feed yield at Yorkton. At Scott, green feed yield was only significantly reduced when rolling was delayed to the first node stage. I must say, I'm surprised we were able to detect a yield loss to rolling at the 2 to 3 leaf stage at Yorkton. There really didn't appear to be much damage occurring at that time, particularly since the ridges left by the seed master kept the plants from being rolled flat. Rolling occurred in the direction of seeding. It is possible that differences in leaf disease development could account for the damage caused by early rolling. However, this was not assessed in this study. Here we are looking at the effect of rolling timing on grain protein for Synergy and forage protein for Maverick. Statistically significant differences in protein between the treatments were only detected for grain at Yorkton. When rolling was delayed until the first node stage, grain protein was significantly reduced by about 0.35%. This seems odd as the reduction in grain yield did not occur when the rolling was delayed until the first node stage. While it may be a little surprising that protein can be reduced without affecting yield, 
This was the same result Farming Smarter out of Lethbridge reported in their barley grain rolling study. When they rolled barley at the first node stage, they couldn't detect a yield impact but found grain protein had lost 0.6%. Perhaps if the barley in both trials were high on their N response curves for yield, a reduction in N uptake from rolling could affect protein levels without affecting yield very much. I suppose if the grain still made malt, the reduction in grain protein is not a negative outcome. When looking at other quality factors for forage, such as digestible energy, total digestible nutrients, and acid detergent fiber, no significant differences between treatments could be detected. Conclusions Rolling one to three days post-seed turned out pretty good. It did not seem to affect yield or quality of barley grain or green feed. It might even avoid spreading some leaf disease. However, the literature says this practice could increase crusting and soil erosion issues. Don't roll when the crop is emerging, as this can break the coleoptile. We didn't roll at that time in this experiment, but that's a good recommendation. Rolling at the 2-3 to three leaf stage was generally pretty good too. However, we did observe a green feed yield loss when rolling at the 2-3 to three leaf stage. Don't roll at the first node stage. There's a greater chance of reducing yield and quality when you roll at this stage. And though we didn't attest for this in our study, you should roll in the heat of the day, when plants are dry and leaf disease is less likely to spread. Plants at this stage are also wilted and they're less likely to break. Mike Hall is the research coordinator for the East Central Research Foundation and Suncrest College. Please stay tuned. Your commodities update will be coming up right after these messages. Commodities Update. Canola futures are trading down in the nearby months right now. January canola trading at $700.10. That's down $2.20. March canola trading at $704.40 down $2.30. December Minneapolis wheat trading at 6.98 and a quarter, that's up 1 and a half cents. December Kansas City wheat trading at 6.45 per bushel, up 5 cents. December Chicago wheat trading at 5.65 and 3 quarters, up 9 and 3 quarters of a cent. December corn trading at 460 and three quarters, up 11 cents. January soybeans trading at 1343 per bushel, down four cents. December oats trading at 368 per bushel, up eight and a quarter cents. And that's the commodities update. It's time now to check in once again with Tanya Cherry. Thank you, Doug. Mooseman Pharmasave, that's where we're hanging out today. We're here for another hour, just over an hour, with GX94 Christmas Goodies Cookbooks. $10 each, all the proceeds going right back to local charities around the area, and that means we get to make a donation here in Mooseman in the next couple weeks, which is fantastic. That's my favorite part of a whole holiday season with the Christmas Goodies Cookbooks. And you come on in and you are saving. It is their Moonlight Madness today. So save 25% off in store. They're open until 9 o'clock tonight. Come on in. 
and that's here at Mooseman Pharmasafe and at their Wellness and Mobility Center just a couple doors down on Main Street. This is the day. Plus, they've got their Christmas Customer Appreciation Event coming up on December 19th, another day where you can save 25%. And both days, you're getting a chance to enter in for that beautiful Samsung 65-inch Smart TV. Mm-hmm. Right here at Mooseman Pharmacy. Future Ford has been serving the Melville area for over 30 years. They focus on the future. Their staff are ready for what's to come. Ford Tech is changing all the time with new vehicle technology like EV, self-driving, and more. Get ready to drive into the future. Why? Because the future is Future Ford. Welcome back to Saskag Today. I'm Doug Falconer. Auto steer is a form of precision agriculture most farmers use, but the toolbox is growing rapidly due to new technology. Don Campbell is a field smart agronomist at Western Sales in Rosetown, Saskatchewan. He says precision agriculture aims to optimize each region of the field and create maximum return on investment. Campbell says precision agriculture technology is improving every year. From a technological implementation within equipment, we've gone from just having broad acre spraying to pulse width modulation on sprayers to now see and spray, John Deere's terminology. In the future, in broad acre crops, we're going to have the ability for see and spray ultimate, which will have the capability of removing types of weeds from certain crops, so broadleafs out of cereal crops as an example, or cereals out of uh, pulse or dicot crops. So those are some of the aspects more recently that have got changes. He expects spraying capabilities will be high-tech very soon. We're told that in the not-so-distant future, in the next year or two, we'll have the capacity for two-tank system where it will be uh, different applications or different products through different tanks. A lot of the technology right now is green on brown, so removing green weeds out of fallow surfaces. There's technology on the market now that also claims to have the ability to be able to do green uh, removal from a green crop. And we've been working with some of the technology to be able to modify or see how far we can push the capabilities as how it currently stands. Campbell says their agronomists are working with farmers to keep them up to date on the latest technologies. I certainly hope so. One of our main goals is to help customers marry the technology with the agronomy to be able to take as much advantage of the capabilities that are embedded into the equipment from the factory as what's possible. That a lot of producers may not necessarily take as much advantage of just because of lack of understanding, lack of education. And I don't mean that in a, in a harsh way. It's just a matter of, of having the capability to be able to explain to producers exactly what the benefits are and how to incorporate its use. He says the technology is improving very rapidly. As a chief technology officer at John Deere at a meeting that I was at last winter, everything that we've seen in the last five years you can forget about. Every year will be like moving ahead five years at a time. And whatever you see today, think that next year will be taking five years and putting it into next year and so on and so on. It's like chasing a train is where the technology is going. It's just going to continue to speed up going down the tracks. Don Campbell is a field smart agronomist at Western Sales in Rosetown, Saskatchewan. Tomorrow we will hear about the role soil test probes play in precision agriculture. Farm Bulletin Board.
Just a reminder that the Ranchers University is coming up starting tomorrow and through Saturday in Mooseman. The event will cover topics including keeping versus buying replacement heifers, ration building and using cow bites, selecting forage-efficient cows, record-keeping, and learning from feeding mistakes. The cost to register for this event is $100 per person. You can call the Agriculture Knowledge Centre at 1-866-457-2377 to register. Once again, that's a toll-free number, 1-866-457-2377. That's for the Ranchers University that begins tomorrow in Mooseman. You can also place a bid on grassland restoration with the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Foundation if you're interested in seeding cultivated land back to native prairie. You can place a bid in their reverse auction for an opportunity to receive financial compensation for your restoration project. By restoring grasslands, we're increasing long-term grazing resources, biodiversity, and reducing habitat fragmentation for species at risk, especially in areas of critical habitat. However, bidding closes on January 31st. You can contact the Saskatchewan Stock Growers Foundation to learn more about the reverse auction process and how to place a bid. You can go to www.ssgf.ca. You can email them at communications at ssgf.ca or just simply call them at 306-530-1385. That phone number once again, 306-530-1385. And that's all the time we have for today's Farm Bulletin Board. It's now 1 o'clock. Time to check the GX94 Precision Weather Forecast. For the Quill Lakes, Hudson Bay, Swan River, Broadview, Mooseman, Indian Head, and Yorkton, Melville, Roblin, Russell regions today. A 20% chance of light snow, winds northwest at 15 to 30, and a high of minus 1 degree. For tonight, mainly cloudy, winds west-northwest at 10 to 20, a low of minus 9. For tomorrow, a mix of sun and cloud, winds west-northwest at 15 to 25, a high of minus 2, an overnight low of minus 8. For Saturday, partly sunny, winds south-southwest at 10 to 15, and a high of 0. For Sunday, mainly sunny, a high of minus 2, and Monday, a 60% chance of developing light snow, also a high of minus 2. In the Paw, it's minus 14 degrees, Swan River minus 7, Dauphin and Roblin minus 3, Brandon 0, Show Lake Russell minus 2. Regina, Saskatoon, Broadview Mooseman, Indian Head, all reporting in at minus 2, Hudson Bay minus 7, Winyard, Wadena, Calvington minus 3. The Yorkton-Melville region has an overcast sky, a west-northwest wind at 21 kilometers per hour. 83% is the relative humidity. The temperature is minus 2 degrees. With the wind chill, it feels more like minus 8 degrees. That's your agriculture weather, and that'll do it for SaskAg today for today. 
Be sure to tune in again tomorrow at 12.15 for another edition of the program. It's time now for the news and sports headlines. Saskag Today has been brought to you by Future Ford in Melville. Future Ford is your automotive expert. From sales to service, they're the ones you can trust to get you rolling again sooner.